0: All right, this is it. Finally, here, episode one of the Balls Deep Cinema podcast. This is uh, a long time in the making. It feels like, but not really. Uh, I'm joined. My name is Jay Shatara. Let me introduce myself. Uh, I hesitate to call myself the the brainchild behind this, but um, I connected us three. I'm joined by Stephen Raju and Brandon Cortez, and uh, these are two people who are my go-to movie opinion people we all watch all the major movies the blockbusters the oscar noms um you know award season all that stuff and uh it really doesn't matter if it's a superhero movie a star wars movie whatever it may be we always uh seem to tune in so guys welcome uh this is episode one uh our pilot episode or as we're calling it the trailer for what's to come a little movie uh pun there so uh yeah i'll let you guys kind of take the floor steve uh, you know, we we kind of had this idea, and now we're putting it together. It's finally here. How do you feel?
1: Feeling great, feeling great, Jay. And number one, I mean, appreciate you, you know, reaching out to me and Brandon for this idea. Um, you know, we always talk movies, you and me, Jay. Um, I definitely respect your your movie acumen, uh, especially when it comes to Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's super excited. Exciting to get into this. And, uh, you know, for me personally, you know, I've watched movies all my life. I've been a big cinema guy, Um, all genres, all genres as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really just been something where I'm happy I can share my feelings on movies and, you know, where I stand on the state of movies, the current movie industry, some of the movies I love, um, some of the movies that we can, you know, get excited about moving forward. Um, so it's really awesome and I just can't wait to, you know, get it rolling with you guys.
2: Yeah. I have to say yeah. thank you so much, Jay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, yeah. listen,
0: first episode, we're yeah. going to be cutting each other off. Hey, it's, it, happens, it happens.
2: It happens. As long as we're not getting to our, you know, Stephen A. Smith, try to have arguments like on Sports Center, then that's fine. <laughs> but no, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you, you know, you're rounding up the the cattle here. Uh, I just want to say, you know, you definitely did a good job and want to try to kind of bring this together. Uh, you know, this was like a little bit of idea, you know, you kind of make fury to us uh, to get us together here, uh, <laughs> Just to kind of get started. Uh, but I wanted to say you're going to add on to what, what you know, what Steven said, uh, same thing, my love for movies has come from just being a little kid. Uh, I remember just watching movies, with my parents, it's kind of the both of them uh, for the reason why I love movies. Uh, you know, there's like little things like I remember really, really watching the memories of like watching Beetlejuice with them. Um, You know, yeah. while I may didn't under, understand a lot of the <laughs> adult kind of moments in that movie or just kind of a lot of the terminology in the movies, uh, you know, it was a very colorful movie to watch as I think as a little kid, even though if you don't understand what's going on, I think some of my parents appreciated. Um, and I think that can go for a lot of movies we watched. Even now today, a lot of animated, animated movies aren't made that way. Uh, but no Mm -hmm. i'm excited to definitely just talk about movies whether it's uh old classic movies that we all love or the newly released movies um it's very exciting to dissect it talk about the movie and just have fun with it
0: yeah and i think one of the great things about movies is like everyone has a different list of like their favorite movies uh anytime i meet someone i love asking like what's your top five favorite movies and even like i'm looking at our list right now of like top five like they're the same, but they're also so wildly different. And I think that's what makes it so great is you can have so many different movie opinions. And and for me personally, like where my love of movies came from, you know, um, same thing, my dad, he kind of put me like on some of these nerds, these Star Wars movies, like right away, I had the originals on VHS. And to this day, I'm very sad. I still don't have them. Um, but you know it, even everything from like rugrats in paris to to like oh, you know what nickelodeon had the orange vhss that's what i used to love about the nickelodeon movies but um all the disney classic movies on vhs like we i grew up watching those um and then you know as you get older you start having a a more diverse movie portfolio you start watching different things you start realizing you like different things Um, i think all of us have probably taken some sort of film appreciation class in college um i took one too and i remember watching like five different types of movies there they were from old all the way to like we watched jason bourne series in that like i mean that's the beauty of it you never know what you're going to kind of run into and each movie is different there's many movies that i'm sure i'm gonna love that you guys are gonna hate and vice versa and I think that's what makes movies. That's a guarantee. So
1: great. That's
0: a guarantee. I, I can yeah. already tell Steve is gonna be upset <laughs> when I when we have our Zack Snyder episode because I am I can't a, wait for that. I'm a big Zack Snyder guy. So yeah. And, you I know, mean,
2: yeah. and that's no, that's ahead, the be- that's the beauty of it, right? That's the beauty of subjectivity. Being able to say, hey, this is why I appreciate this movie. This is why I love this movie. Um, while it may be different, it's like, hey, you know what? The way I look at it is gonna be different than the way each of us look at something. Um, and that's something great, you know. And I think uh we're gonna talk about, I think an idea we have is talking about some Rotten Tomato score movies that may have mm-hmm. been sixties or belows and what we kind of appreciate, or maybe what we might have agreed. So I gotta I mean subjectivity, I think, is a beautiful thing in all of us. So even once we do talk about Snyderverse, uh <laughs> That's going to be a little bit exciting <laughs> <Not> <laughs> to get into to that on topic.
1: The, yeah. Not to say on the Snyder topic, but I feel like yeah. I have no choice now. <laughs> uh, I mean, one thing I'm interested in, yeah. in discussing with both of you mm-hmm. is just yeah. the idea of how fanfare can drive a movie, right? Oh, totally. mm-hmm, I yeah. mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a prime example of this, where you have a movie, you know, the original Justice League that comes out and, you know, doesn't perform to expectations, but you get this swell of fanfare that just comes out mm-hmm. and- really just takes over, you know, your Twitter, your Instagram, your your Facebook, and you have movie studios like Warner Brothers actually listening. They're actually paying attention, and they literally mm-hmm. went ahead and gave Zack Snyder hundreds of millions of dollars to, you know, recut the movie and re-edit it, and they, lo and behold, released it to uh, HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm interested to talk about fan culture. I'm interested to talk about, you know, everyone that goes out and supports these directors who clamor for you know, new content and just how that is affecting mm-hmm. movies. Because, you know, the fanfare is what's really, I think, is something that's mm-hmm. more nuanced nowadays than it has been before. And it seems like studios are listening. So there's, there's so much to get into. But, uh, I mean, man, 2023 when it comes to movies is, is a lot different than what it was 20 years ago. And, you know, given what we went through with COVID and all that, um, it's going to be a little bit of a different movie, you know, viewership experience as we kind of move forward into further along.
0: Oh, and as we were getting ready to start this, I was literally thinking how just in such a short amount of time, it's shifted, right? Like everyone has superhero fatigue. I I think I I speak for all of us. We're all pretty big Marvel fans. And some of the recent run of movies has really kind of turned us off. TV shows its just become a lot. And now you're seeing Barbie and Oppenheimer completely destroy a three-hour biopic of, of a guy from the 1940s killed it in the box office compared to some of these you know reboots transformers i'm a big transformers guy i watched the new one but like i can recognize that it's not going to be a box office driver anymore like it was in 2007 when it first released or even the mark Wahlberg transformers <laughs> those were doing well in the box office this new one did not right. um it's it's funny how this has all shifted so drastically um, people want original stories they want kind of back to that they don't want to see Marvel superheroes all the time anymore, or just reboots of popular franchises, and that's what I'm really most excited about. Um, you know, I've been going to the movies. I feel like more than ever for the non-blockbuster type of movies, and I'm really excited to kind of, you know, end of the year we got some very good movies that we're going to talk about um, that we've already sort of talked about in our group chat, and I'm really excited to get it going. This is going to be a fun podcast, and um, I'm gonna jump in. I mean, why we started this? That's a little of the reason right there. We have a lot of we have a lot of good content. I do want to say we're aware of the strikes happening and we want to be respectful of everything happening out in Hollywood. And of course, we hope everyone gets paid and, and you know, they can strike a fair deal that gets movies back on our screens. But, you know, for now, we are going to just talk about what's coming out in the near future. TV shows as well. Uh, I know you guys are both big fans of The Bear. So I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Uh, Ahsoka is out right now. So that's another big piece of Star Wars content. There's a lot of stuff coming out. And I'm really excited to kind of just dive into this. And that's why we started it. Listen, I don't care if we ever get big, but it'll be fun to just kind of sit down and talk movies and, and break them down.
1: That's right. Let's get it.
0: All right. So on that note, I, I said something I always do is we ask top five favorite movies whenever we meet someone. I'm pretty sure it's a question I asked you to when I met you at different points in my life. Uh, I'm sure these lists are also very different from when we met several years ago now, both of you. So, um, you know, let's jump right into it. I guess I'll start. Top five favorite movies. Now, I will say, uh, I think we all tried to do this. We tried to have some diversity, horror, comedy, sci-fi, something like that. But um, these aren't necessarily movies we think are, you know, the greatest movies of all time. We want to make that disclaimer because we know the internet can get very mad about these kinds of things. Um, but these are movies that are favorites to us. We can watch them whenever things like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. Any honorable mentions that didn't make your list?
2: Ooh. Uh, you know what? I'm Question. wearing the t-shirt. Why not? But, uh, Halloween, uh, very, very, very close. Uh, Jay, when you mentioned movie, uh, classes this is one that was watched in some my Mm -hmm. (laughs) in one of my classes back in sophomore year Uh, so I'm just gonna say it was very hard it's very hard and you know like you mentioned uh, these aren't necessarily even like these are top fives that we thought about in the moment I can easily wake up tomorrow and be like oh man this movie could have been up there (laughs) Uh, throughout the year as I get older sometimes I appreciate even more movies more than I do my Mm -hmm. current list Uh, But these are definitely five that I've thought of that were in there. But yeah, this is definitely Halloween is a movie uh, that changed the horror genre that, you know, added a lot of musical elements to it that made it a lot more different than just what was the Universal Classic Monsters uh, film series.
0: John Carpenter's Halloween. Great film. Absolutely one of my favorite horror movies ever. And yes, one of the best movie scores ever. Halloween 3, we don't talk about. (laughs) Steve, any honorable mentions?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say Ratatouille. I think is one that's on my top. Yeah, that I was considering on my top five. Um, I went with a different Pixar movie, um, but love Ratatouille. That's definitely going to be a movie that I think we should chat about in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Predator should be should be considered as well. Uh, I just think it's one of. It, it's hard because a lot of people say, "Is it action? Is it sci-fi? Is it a monster movie?" Um, I consider it an action movie. Um, you know, you have the classic action star. You have a great action cast. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's a great cast. Um, but it's an important movie. It's a really important movie. One that really, I think, stands out in the 80s. Especially in the 80s, when you have so many different action movies mm-hmm. that came out. It's literally the Action Movie Hall of Fame in the 80s. Um, but <laughs> Predator. Predator. I mean, that's another movie we should definitely get into. Because it definitely changed the la- landscape of, I think, sci-fi, you know, monster, movies uh and just action movies in general
0: awesome awesome for me i'm gonna say gladiator i i, I teeter around it a lot to me it's like the most perfect film ending i love the score um russell crowe and, and joaquin phoenix i mean just absolute masterclasses in acting but for me gladiator it's always tough to leave it off my top five i consider it, it it's tough it's a great movie it's such a great movie and um yeah I, definitely gladiator Definitely one of my top five favorite movies on another day. But today, not in the top five.
1: So, you named some classics to, just right there.
0: Yeah, honestly, that right there could be anyone's top five to three. Easily, yeah. Or three to five, sorry. But yeah, I mean, those are all some great movies. So um, yeah, and, and I do want to point out before we start this list, we love the classics. We talked about one of our segments being a classic movie of the week, just because we're all around the same age, 27 years old. Doesn't mean we don't have an appreciation for the movies that came out in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Love me a good 80s comedy or rom-com. They're all good. So um, we'll, we'll definitely have our, our fair share of talking about those. So without further ado, our top 5 i I'm going to start off. Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you heard Steve mention I'm a big Star Wars guy. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. It is my go-to for a download on the plane. Um you know, I I love it because if I go on a plane and I don't find a movie I really want to watch uh, that the plane offers, I always have Revenge of the Sith downloaded on my iPad or my phone so that I can watch it later. Um, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I'm a big Star Wars nerd in general. I recognize there are a lot of things wrong with Star Wars right now and even in the past. Um, but. This is the one movie that I'll always fall back on. I'm going to show it to my kids. I, I grew up in the prequel era. So for me, the prequels, I love the prequels. Where as someone my dad's age hates the prequels. I love the prequels because it's the nostalgia that came with it. I love Hayden Christensen. Um, I thought he was the perfect Anakin Skywalker and got bullied online for no reason. I thought the Obi-Wan series, uh, his redemption uh, as an actor, as, as just a human from a human being perspective was amazing i love to see the online community kind of rally behind him and really you know he was perfect for that role um it's the story that george lucas himself has said he's always wanted to tell it's the downfall of anakin skywalker turning into darth vader um you see it all unfold and i I think that's why the prequels can be slow to some people but revenge of the sith is the one it's action-packed um you know me and brandon actually watched this during the pandemic together because we were roommates at the time. And I remember we both said like the pacing of that movie really holds up well to this day. It's nonstop action. It's good drama. Um, To me, the Order 66 scene is so emotional. Uh, The Younglings, I think about the Younglings a lot. Um, I watch that movie and I always think, oh my gosh, this is the time Anakin's not going to turn to the dark side. And of course he always does. So it's just, to me, it's my all time favorite movie. Uh, I want to go around, I want to get, uh, I think we should do this in a, in a rotation. So mm-hmm. Brandon, go ahead and give us your e. number one.
2: Yeah. Let's just get straight to it. Um, so that way I don't stay too much talking about each movie there, but uh, for me, it's a completely different genre. I just, uh, but I can kind of say it's a bit of a tragedy too. Uh, that's Manchester by the sea. Uh, there's something about that uh, just new England lifestyle, kind of being able to show it on screen. Um, cause I think a lot of movies, uh, that are, you know, that may take place in Los Angeles, uh, New York city, a lot mm-hmm. of that can be kind of just portrayed something in a way differently, but something about having a movie that really feels like it's very much it's new England vibe, you know, on the coast of Massachusetts. Um, there's something a little bit different showing a community based around, you know, just being based around just one man, uh, you know. Spoiler alert, (laughs) you know, accidentally burning down his house. Um, And I know Jay and I could talk about this because we lived in uh, central Nebraska, uh, you know, together for a couple of years, but being in a small community, everyone knows everything. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to see a man live his life while being able to still try to make it up for some of his family members while still being like, hey, that's the guy who accidentally killed his family. Right. Uh, So it's something a little bit harsh about that um there's moments of unintentional comedy and uh that's something that i appreciate that you know there's a little bit of writing that's difficult to be like how are we going to make this movie 98 sad and sorrow but also add little moments of comedy that you're like oh wait that's actually kind of funny you know <laughs> um so it's things like that casey affleck's performance uh michelle williams although she only maybe appears for a total of like six minutes uh, she definitely makes a very big impact and you can see that in just the talent of her acting. Uh, but yeah, that's a movie that I would say currently might be my favorite movie that I've talked about for a very long time now.
1: Love that movie. Brandon, mm-hmm. um, became a huge Casey Affleck fan after that mm-hmm. movie. I probably mm-hmm. should have been a, a bigger fan before that movie. Yeah. He's, done some <laughs> yeah. he's got, he's done some great yeah. work. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's great. He got recognized, um, oh, definitely. Yeah. With that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, one of the movies I'll talk about is Die Hard. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's an action classic. And yeah. I mean, I grew up on action movies. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was a big um, James Bond guy. So I would gr- I grew up in a household that was fixated on action movies. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, Die Hard is, is, is a pinnacle of action movie history. Bruce Willis, John McTier- McTiernan, the director. Um, Alan Rickman, one of the greatest villains of all time in, in movie history. Uh, A great supporting cast and just really a film that redefined the action genre. You went from the kind of the the steroid built Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) and you went to Bruce Willis, who was your everyday kind of New York cop who you really wouldn't distinct Mm -hmm. from anyone of of power, anyone of, 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 I guess, brutality that you would see from you know, your Stallone's, your Arnold's, your Steven Seagal's, but that's what really endeared me to this movie is the fact that you have this everyday guy whose whole, you know, situation that he's throwing, thrown in, he does not want anything a part of it. And the way they just navigate, um, you know, his reluctant reluctance, um, but also the fact that he has to go and save his wife um, and how he navigates through the tower, you know, how they handle sound editing in that movie, um, how they deal with... Um, you know, how they paced the movie. And for an 80s movie, I just feel like it's something that was so well put together. It had its comedic moments and it it made a star. It made Bruce Willis, two stars, honestly, Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman, um, Mm -hmm. that really defined, I think, action movie genre. Um, John McTiernan as director, I mean, I mean, this is his, I mean, you can argue Predator or Die Hard, but I would argue Die Hard is his pinnacle as an action director. And it it really puts them in my mind on the Mount Rushmore of action directors. Um, It's a really iconic movie. It's important. Um, You know, it's hard to imagine action movie lineage being the same without Die Hard. We still might get, um, well, basically you have Chris Hemsworth doing his best best Arnold impression now. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You you would still have um, just a bunch of bulked up guys who are, you know, like I said, probably doing steroids and are probably... (laughs) You know, just strung out for these movies, and I think that would be less coherent and kind of more silly. But Die Hard just puts it all together in a tight package, it still has the comedy, it still has the action, it has the charismatic performance. Um, and it's a Christmas movie, too. So, Die Hard, Great Christmas movie, it's definitely
2: a Christmas movie, yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> uh, redefine the Christmas movie
2: genre, yeah, it's a good one, <laughs> it's breaking
1: ground.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great, great, great points made by both. Uh, back to Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, it's it's one of the best tragedies of the modern era, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the reveal of what Casey Affleck character kind of goes through and went through in that movie. I think it's like midway through the movie, you find out yeah. what happened and you're like, wow. And then I just want to point out Michelle Williams. Um, it just seems like she's made for the hurt housewife role. <laughs> um <laughs> every movie she plays that's just she plays it so well man she yeah she does so well. that's
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's just it's funny to see that um and, yeah. and, and truthfully going into the movie i didn't even know she was in the movie and then that happened and i was like of course yeah Oops. yeah so um, yeah all right well on to movie two for all of us will be a little basic again with this answer uh the dark knight to me an absolute classic uh you can't go wrong with this movie to me, Nolan's best movie, yes, even after Oppenheimer came out, um, I think we overthink the Nolan conversation a lot. Like, What's his best movie? Is it The Prestige? Is it Memento? All great movies. I really don't think he has a bad movie in his, his filmography, but to me, don't overthink it. It's The Dark Knight, um, you know, in a, in a world full of superhero movies this is the most grounded in reality film series, in my opinion, when it comes to the superhero genre. He always said he didn't want Superman in his movies because it would make it feel like it was a superhero movie, not like a crime drama like this, right? So I really respect that he always kept his Batman movies grounded in reality, as much as you can for a superhero movie. Obviously, go into the mountains and Batman begins to train with Tibetan monks is a little, uh, a little far-fetched or a guy, you know, poisoning a whole city with a toxic gas. I get it. But for a superhero movie, this is so grounded in reality. And the dark Knight really knocks that out the park. Of course, a lot of this is Heath Ledger. uh, One of the greatest performances we will ever see. Um, He literally gave his life for this performance. Uh, He got an Oscar out of it. And it is, to me, the best superhero performance ever. The Joker. Um, mm. Just, I mean, bone-chilling stuff. Uh, the, the scene where Batman has to choose between Harvey and Rachel. And, of course, he goes to the wrong one. And, you know, just a great scene. Um, the, the, the cinematography of this movie. Uh, Steve, uh, I know you're a Chicago guy. I visit the city a lot myself. And I love seeing where you could, like... Oh, that's Wayne Tower. And oh, that's where they had the tunnel scene. And oh, that's where the Joker and Batman uh, uh, faced off when Batman's on the motorcycle. So uh, you could just tell it's a real set. It's not CGI. Um, also, an underrated part of this movie that no one ever talks about, the opening scene is perfect in my opinion, one of the best opening scenes in cinema, the introduction to the Joker, this bank heist, everyone's taking each other out so the Joker can end up with all the money. Like, it shows from the very beginning that he is the ultimate tactician, he is the ultimate planner, and no one is going to outsmart him in this movie, even the world's greatest detective. So to me, uh, The Dark Knight is uh, just, it's it's a timeless classic, I know it's a long movie. Anytime it's on, I will watch it to the very end because, and I don't care what point it starts at. uh, Just a great movie. Um, And I I know everyone agrees with that. Again, I know it's the basic take. I know it's the guy take. Every guy has Dark Knight in their top five, but I I don't care. It's that good.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's timeless movie and I think it was much needed for the superhero genre. Um, Even though at the time, I don't think it really took off because the MCU was still in Mm -hmm. its wake um but really i mean even despite what happened with the mcu the dark knight still has the aesthetic it has the uniqueness that stands above that you know i think they tried to recreate it a little with the batman and in some ways you know the batman i mean in a lot of ways it shares a lot of similarities in terms of how it's mm-hmm. shot and how grounded it is but i think what sets apart the dark knight is just the, the performances you know christian bale ledger eckhart gary oldman michael kane mm-hmm uh they really give it their all this movie um it, literally right and mm-hmm. uh it's you don't see that type of commitment in movie in superhero acting anymore um a lot of times let's be honest we just see people mail it in <laughs> in superhero <laughs> movies it's a little sad but um they really gave it it all gave it their all um they took a lot of aesthetics at least Nolan did in my opinion from other movies you know mm-hmm. you had your similarities to seven you know david Finch, david Finchner. um um mm-hmm. style and, and, and branding with that, uh whether it was heat in terms of you know the classic heist scene, which you know Nolan even references himself. So um it's an allegation of a lot of great classics from the nineties and, and from beyond. And I mean look, it's Chris Nolan and he mm-hmm. you give that director and especially after we've seen Oppenheimer, we saw Dunkirk, you know, we know how talented this guy, Christopher Nolan is and the fact that he was able to make a superhero genre movie, um, we're, we're lucky. We're lucky as viewers because that's something you don't see a lot of directors of his talent go down the superhero route. But he did and he knocked it out of the park.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. That's, yeah. and that's something I want to touch on. Uh, something really great about Christopher Nolan is his use of practical effects. I know, Jay, you brought this up. Um, I know a lot of studios like to rely on cgi and I don't mind cgi right it's like it's definitely when it's very well used and what it's needed to use for totally makes sense go for it Uh, but it's something that I love is when directors still want to stand by just practicality just practical effects something about it something that's so special Um, and then steven you t- uh, you touched up on this but uh the use of other films kind of just do homage And if there's anything that we saw about Christopher Nolan is that he loves you, especially in Oppenheimer, we saw a little bit of an homage or best uses of his last films. And that's something that's Mm -hmm. really great that he's able to really use altogether uh, for for the Dark Knight. And that was so that was definitely a good example of just that alone him touching the superhero genre, making it so different is something that's very, very different. I, I can see that in Batman Begins, The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises.
0: And on that note, Brandon, your number yeah. 2 movie, another superhero movie.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was hoping to see how that transition would go. Um yes, I would say this is a superhero movie that kind of changed its own the genre in itself in a different format, a uh, different way that The Dark Knight did. Um this kind of goes into the mental health route, uh but this will be Spider-Man 2. Uh, something about this movie seeing uh, you know, a young man, Peter Parker, maybe what early 20s because he's a college student at the time. Uh, Just for him, you know, trying to balance things in life out. I think that's something that all of us can relate, Uh, you know, especially at college where we're maybe working a job just to get extra money. You know, staying staying in touch with friends, family, having that social life, being able to study. Uh, I think being able to see that reflected on the big screen without it feeling forced. uh, That's something really, really different that I think Sam Raimi did with uh, this movie. Uh, Just seeing, you know, a young man's life, you know, maybe be good at part at you know beginning but in the very beginning of the movie this guy gets fired from his pizza job you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know you immediately start the movie you might think it's funny but for that character you're like man like I just got fired like my finances are gonna go down the trash like what am I gonna do to pay rent what am I gonna do to pay you know meets end mm-hmm. uh, so just seeing that throughout the movie this character struggle uh, and I think it's something that a lot of us can relate to um just even now in age so I think that's a movie that stands by in time Uh, Just being also a perfect sequel to Spider-Man. Spider-Man 1 was just something that was incredible. Um, Just seeing that kind of be followed up with sequels. I don't know if it's just a sequel thing, but (laughs) you know, where Dark Knight Knight and Spider-Man 2 did for the predecessors just to continue that amazing rhythm. Uh, That's something that I appreciate about Spider-Man 2.
0: I I just want to say Sam Raimi is Mm a master of the horror genre. Oh yeah, uh, the totally. scene with uh in the very beginning with Doc Ock and yeah. in the hospital
1: it, it, uh, it is
2: it's great and he he does it so well the screeching it it, it always gets me even each time I watch it so
1: <laughs> yeah and I think it's I think it's really one of his most like tender films in mm-hmm. a way like there's a great drama in this movie mm-hmm. that even though it's coded as a as a superhero movie, there's a great drama inside it, um, right? You, like you mentioned, Brandon, the fact of a young man going through his day, trying to figure out how to hold a job, how to have a, you know, how to keep his girlfriend or how to get the girl, um, how to balance things with his parents um, or with his surrogate mother, Aunt May, um, and then on top of that, mm-hmm. uh, being a superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that is very. It does is one of those superhero movies growing up where I really felt the most connection to, and I was definitely mm-hmm. like, man, this this guy's everyday problems uh, really <laughs> speak to me. Um, and yeah. you know, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, just a top tier movie. Great job from Sam Raimi. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: All right, listen, uh, we will get to Steve's second movie and the rest of our list when we get back. We're gonna take a quick break. But like I said, not gonna want to miss the rest of this list. We have a lot of good movies still to go through, and of course Steve's second movie. So we'll be right back on that note.
1: All right, welcome back everyone. Um, this is Steven here, and I'm gonna talk about my next movie, uh, Zodiac. And for those who know the movie Zodiac, uh, directed by David Fincher, um, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., whom I forget, Mark Ruffalo as well. Um, what a Interesting movie, <laughs> to say the least. Yep. But one of the reasons I love this movie is it really is, I think, genre-defying. Um, and when I say that, it, it incorporates a lot a lot of different genres in this movie. You have your horror elements. You have your um, suspense elements. Um, you have some comedic moments. But with David Fishner and, and the work he does, he gives you a really good-looking movie. He gives you really... Uncomfortable scenes sometimes, and I'll say this movie is quite uncomfortable. Um, but it was really a movie that, uh, you know, obviously playing off the real Zodiac killer story, um, does a great job with laying out the perspectives of Jake Gyllenhaal as as a young uh, cartoonist, um, but also, you know, talking about the journalism perspective of, of the movie, how they were trying to figure out the story, how they were trying to. Um, deal with the ciphers that the killer would would leave them, um, and just some of the scenes were just so. Uh, I just think I, I don't see a lot of movies that portray kind of the uncomfortableness of of, of what the zodiac Zodiac killer was doing, um, kind of the brutal nature of it. Um, some of the scenes were just straight up. Uh, it it was it was hard to watch, but it really was in in a way necessary to display you know what really happened to these people. Um, but at the same time, as a movie, I thought it moved really well. Um, I thought it had me at the edge of my seat for quite honestly the whole time. I love the performances. I love Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Um, really, I think one of his best performances, um, you know, in 20 years. I mean, obviously he has Iron Man, but um, this movie, ever since you know before Oppenheimer, of course, was him doing some character acting and and, and really. Delving deep into more of a, a nuanced bag, so to speak, as a journalist. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal great in the movie as well, and Mark Ruffalo loved his performance as as a real life or based on a real life detective. It really just clicks with me. It it, it really is a prestige movie for me, and for some reason, it wasn't uh, taken that way at the time when it came out. It didn't really get the Oscar buzz. Um, it wasn't. I feel like it's not on the prestige mountainous for some people, but. Um, and some people don't view it as David Fincher's best work uh, but just the way it's shot the cinematography cinematography of it of, of old town la um, or you know back in the 1960s or whatever it was um, the performances just i just and it's just a movie where you know you go into it you feel like it's a a, a fourth estate movie talk with the journalism aspects but then you get into it and it starts becoming a horror movie in a way when you're in um, the basement of the old man and Jake Gyllenhaal's just trying to get out of there. Um, but then, you know, it's always suspenseful. It always keeps you at your feet. Um, the mystery element, the open ended nature of it. It's not trying to solve anything. It's trying to lay out a story and the brutality of, of what happened back in the day. Um, I think it's a great movie. I think it's one of David Fitchner's best movies. Um, and it's one of my personal favorites at uh, number three.
0: Yeah, uh, I did come across a tweet today. Today, someone made a letterboxed uh, genre uh, called Mark Ruffalo Investigate, and it's just movies where he plays an investigator. <laughs> uh, Shutter Island, uh, obviously, on there. Uh, so. Spotlight, uh, too. I think about that. Yeah.
1: Collateral, <laughs> collateral as well.
0: That, yeah. yes, that was actually, if I'm not mistaken, the one person actually who made it ranked that one the highest. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was an interesting. That's funny because I it didn't click with me that he's played so many investigator roles. But yes, very good point. All right. Um, so on to our third movie. Uh, I will go a little more lighthearted here. For me, uh, Mean Girls, cult classic. Uh, it, it it just it is hilarious to me. When I make a top five movie list, I think of rewatchability. I'm someone who very much can't watch a movie multiple times. So if I can, you've really struck something with me. So Mean Girls, to me, is one of those rewatchable movies. I can pick it up at any point, and it's still hilarious. And there's a lot of movies like that. I actually toggled with this one and 40-Year-Old Virgin with Steve Carell, of course, Um, because I always think the jokes never get old. They never get stale. It holds up well. We're not canceling the movie all these years later. Um, To me, Mean Girls, like, it's that high school movie, right? Like, when this came out, I think it was, like, 2004, um, you know, Lindsay Lohan, top of her game, great cast. Amanda Seyfried, uh, Rachel McAdams, I mean, just an absolutely fantastic cast. Um, And it's just – it's hilarious. It is so good. Um, When this movie came out, I think back to my original point, I was, like, in maybe fifth grade – and I remember watching it right when it came out because my mom actually made me watch it. She had it on DVD. And I remember thinking, like, oh, is this what high school is going to be like? And like, it's one of those movies that you watch as a kid and it kind of paints the picture. But then you actually get to high school and you realize this movie hits a lot of those tropes on the head. Uh, being a new student from a foreign country, uh, trying to fit in with your crowd. Uh, there's, it's a story about acceptance, right? Like. Oh. Lindsay Lohan has to accept that. Maybe she's not a popular girl, but everyone wants to be the popular kid, right? Um, and you might have to do some pretty vile and disgusting things along the way to gain popularity or the guy you, uh, uh, in this case, the love interest and things like that. Uh, to me, it's just that movie I could pick up at any point. It's always on TV, like on cable. I could pick it up at any point, and it's just it's it's, it's a very funny movie. So a little more lighthearted compared to my first two movies, but Brandon, I'll, I'll punt it over to you.
2: Yeah, no, it's we we do love life hardness and I can tell you repeatably it's uh I think those early summers or those middle two thousands. I would say Mean Girls and Iron Man One are probably two of the movies I repeated. <laughs> I watch over and over all the time, um and it was a fun movie. You know, it was a fun movie, Mean Girls, to watch with like just even my sisters too. I think we all enjoyed it. um It's just one of those movies that we kind of love to see how where stars where things crumble in the middle, and then kind of get back to the little lightheartedness of everyone getting uh, the the little crown. So I think that's that's all of us. Uh, <laughs> that's all of us at heart getting a little piece of the crown. So um completely different um opposite of the spectrum <laughs> so just thinking when you were talking about lightheartedness this is uh it made me kind of laugh because the way this pick um the shining uh as i've gotten older i i appreciate a horror horror more like as i got older i think this came from my screenwriting classes uh learning that there's two movies that i believe are the hardest to to write uh, that's horror genre and the comedy genre. Um, it's very hard to you know t- touch on those two topics. Uh, and this is coming from someone who was chased around in, by a screen uh, mask when I was a little kid. My older sister did that, did that to me. So if she's listening, <laughs> uh, she'll probably give that a little laugh. But as I got older, yeah, from college too, um, as I've worked Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Atlanta Resort, I just loved horror more and more and more. Uh, something about this movie, just how creepy how E. Reed feels, uh, Stephen, kind of going back to how you felt about, um, you know, about Zodiac, just that kind of uncomfortable feeling, something about that movie, uh, just being able to see. And I think we dig Stephen Kubrick's uh, mind so, so much, Uh about that, you know, just saying, man, this guy's really, really freaking creepy, you know, what he thinks, how he <laughs> can dissect this from, you know, from a book, um, I think there's just a lot of talent, a lot of difficulty, and just uh, the theories, the amount of theories, uh, Christopher Nolan gives us a little bit of that is like, I'm gonna leave this ending and I want you guys to dissect this the way you wanted to. Um, I think that's kind of how uh, Kubrick was able to say hey this I want you to think about this movie what is it what is it that I'm trying to tell you about is it about Native American abuse is it about father and son you know rape abuse which is a really dark theory uh, but it's something that it leaves us about um, and that's something that I believe is just so creepy about this movie especially the way it ends with the portrait was this all always Mm -hmm. happening was it all meant to happen Um, I think this is one of those movies that are just really most quotable uh as well as just you know one that keeps us up late at night just thinking about like what did i just watch uh so that's something that i'll leave uh steven (laughs) too
1: yeah yeah i'd be interested to definitely in a in a a further episode yeah we should definitely do a a kubrick (laughs) episode because i'd be interested where just off the top of my head where i would rank it um in my kubrick rankings but it's it's definitely up there um yeah, we definitely got to do that episode. Oh, that's uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my next movie I'd like to talk about is This is the End. Um, and, I, you know, Jay obviously talked about his favorite comedy. Uh, I would say this is my favorite comedy. This is the End. Mm-hmm. And there's... Mm-hmm. You make a great point, Brandon. Comedy is so difficult to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate the the comedic efforts of Judd Apatow um, and mm-hmm. what he did throughout the, you know, mid nineties to, you know, the mid two thousands was Judd Apatow. That was a decade of Judd Apatow and mm-hmm. what he did plucking out the actors that we now, for the most part, love, uh, you know, you don't, well I can't even say Jonah Hill anymore, I guess you're Seth Rogan's right. Uh, you know, you're, <laughs> Man, the, the list is dwindling as we speak but yeah uh, you know you just have you have those Judd Apatow came together and he created um, you know one of his favorite quotes um uh, for me was uh, or for me was you know when he told um when he told who's the guy who did forget Sarah Marshall? Uh, Jason uh, Siegel. Siegel he told yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he told Siegel hey when you're doing this movie um write a a great drama and I will make it funny for you and that's that's why i love comedy and that's why i specifically love apatow and and how he pioneered kind of the comedic Mm -hmm. era that he was in is just he knows how to make a good drama but he knows how to make it funny and i think that's a special attribute Mm -hmm. um and i say that all because i feel like this is the end is the culmination of that apatow era um you have franco you have jonah hill you have seth rogan craig robinson An all-star cast and all-star cameos um and i just love how it's basically just a take on their everyday life um for all we know how they acted in that movie is probably how they are in real life for the most part (laughs) and i think the more evidence we see of them act in our current lifetime is more evidence that that's probably how they did act or who they really were based on the movie uh jonah hill included and james franco but It's just a hilarious movie. Um, The ridiculous (laughs) nature of the film is something that I really endear to. Comedies are something you you, you shouldn't have to take too seriously, right? You shouldn't have to take too seriously. When I went into that movie, I just wanted to go in for a good time. I wanted to laugh, and I wanted to care about the characters. That's also a big part of it. Um, I cared about what was going on with Jay Baruchel's character, even though he's quite annoying in that movie, I will say. Um, but I cared about what was going on with Seth Rogen. Um, I cared about what was going on with, uh, James Franco and Jonah Hill and Craig Robinson in that movie. Um, and at the end, even though you had that big disaster, the point of that movie really was about friendship, right? It was about the relationships we make, how we respond to each other in tough times, how we, we hold each other's hand, how we lift each other up, but also how we can push each other down, right? Um, and with that movie, we get those elements in there. It is that Judd Apatow DNA in that movie. Um, but it definitely had, it. It's, it's just hilarious moments. It never lacked the hilarious moments. As much as we shouldn't take the movie seriously, and as much as I really came out of it thinking, wow, I really loved how they handled relationships mm-hmm. in that movie, about um, Jay and Seth's relationship in that movie. Mm-hmm. Their focus on that um, type of dramatic storyline they always, they, they didn't sacrifice the last for it. We, we still got the last on top of it. I was still coming out of that theater, still laughing about what I just saw and, and, and just how great some of the moments were. Um, I thought the cast is great, um, you know the CGI is, is, is whatever, but it really just holds a special place in my heart knowing that you know you can come up with a concept like this that doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, that will use a ridiculous plot but in the end will still make you just bust out in tears laughing and make you care about the characters and make you care about the conflict that isn't going outside of the house but what's happening inside the house Mm -hmm. and for that that's why you know this is the end it's it's my favorite comedy of all time
0: i will say you get all those actors at the top of their careers you're talking around the time of knocked up Super bad, the office, I We're mean getting, a lot of Sarah these guys, yeah, I mean these are guys that are playing uh really funny roles in general, so you're right and and you're right, you know, uh, me and Brandon know this from being former journalists on TV. they always tell you uh, be be yourself on air, and that's what I kind of get out of this movie as well. It's a bunch of guys who are friends and they're in a house together and, and that's what makes it so great is they're probably not acting
1: definitely not. I don't yeah.
0: think. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it back, go back to my dark, dark movies here, movie <laughs> number four. Uh, Brandon mentioned the shining. I wanna say I'm a big horror movie guy. I already have so many ideas for our Halloween episodes because Uh, This time of year, especially ever since moving from from sunny South Florida, where it never gets cold, to a state where it's fall time, it is winter, and, you know, holidays seem a little more accentuated. So Halloween, I moved to central Nebraska the week of Halloween. Um, That was my first time leaving Florida. And my first thought was, oh, my God, this is uh, uh, Haddonfield, Illinois. This is uh, Halloween in, like, real life. Uh, It felt very eerie. You're hearing wind rustling, things like that. So I love the horror genre. I love horror movies. I will pretty much watch any horror movie. Um, So this one, Hereditary. Um, Hereditary is just a batshit crazy movie, dude. Uh, Back to what Brandon said. Great point. Very hard to write a horror movie. Um, Ari Aster is a fantastic director, and I feel bad for him because his first two movies – for Hereditary and Midsommar. I don't know how you top a run like that. At that age, at, at such a young age, and, and to pretty much, like, come out of the gate with those two movies, it's almost like everyone's going to expect uh, fantastic movies from that point on. Because that's really hard to that, – that's an apex mountain off the rip. Um, so Hereditary is just – I mean, it's a crazy movie, dude. I mean, from the very get-go – you're met with like this eerie feeling a family that doesn't really love each other or they're kind of dysfunctional. I wouldn't say don't love each other, but they're very dysfunctional. Um, I mean, the kid from the naked brothers band is, is the lead role, uh, Nat Wolf or, or the other Wolf, sorry, Alex Wolf. I, I'm honestly confused on which Wolf it is, but, um, he's now, Alex a Wolf, este- yeah. <laughs> it's Alex. Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's an esteemed horror actor. He was in, just in the M night Shyamalan movie. Um, uh, so, I mean, it's just, it's hilarious that that's where his career has taken him. Um, and, and just the, you, doesn't, you don't think it gets crazier than a guy taking his sister to a, a high school party, his younger sister, who's going to, who has a peanut allergy and she's going to eat a, a peanut, you know, a cake with peanuts on the top. And she's going to go to anaphylactic shock and she's going to lose her head on a telephone pole. Like, you're like, it can't get crazier than this part. And then the movie just goes, I like I said, batshit from there. Um, it's dark, it is eerie. I watched this with my family and I still feel like I couldn't sleep that night. Like, and I watched it at the age of about 23, 24 when it came out. So um, it's one of those movies that I to this day have been a little hesitant to to watch it, you know, it so close to each other because it's freaky, man. It is just a freaky movie. There's a lot to really Uh, Tony Collette puts on a absolutely fantastic performance as the mother in this movie Uh, really shows some true emotion, losing a daughter and then just losing her family to um, demons is essentially what this movie comes down to. So crazy movie. There's one scene in particular that I just don't want to spoil for anyone because I don't even want to think about it. um, That to this day is like etched in my brain. It's a scary movie. It's freaky. But it's so good. It's so good. And it's a well-written horror movie, which is, again, going back to it's hard to write horror movies, this is one of those movies that will hook you and not even through the horror elements, just through pure writing. And that's what I really love about it.
2: Yeah, and you bring up a great idea, kind of like the way a movie starts off and then it just shifts out of nowhere and it's going insane. <laughs> I think it goes on from that post, you know, from that post scene where, uh, you know, this girl's, you know, and as a person who is a big brother, I just immediately my darkest thoughts. I'm like, oh my god, what would I do in that situation? What would like yeah. my mom will kill me, and <laughs> um, <laughs> she would probably do worse to me than the actual demon would do. But <laughs> but it's 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 it, re- it gives me a little bit of a reminder of like the v witch uh, with Anya Taylor Joy, one of her earlier movies mm-hmm. um, as an actress. It's like, what what just happened? How did we get from A to B so quickly, and out of nowhere? Uh, yeah. so it's definitely one of those movies that are group eater, uh to think about um, but we yeah. definitely
1: got to do a, yeah. we definitely got to do a uh, uh, like a horror movie uh, director draft or something because oh, yeah. yeah. our Aster yeah. would definitely be a high pick
2: for oh, sure definitely oh, for for sure. him and Wes Craven I, I will yeah, say right. yeah. Yeah. that would be my pick by the way.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm give it away your strategy early yeah. hey, don't <laughs> lose- <laughs> 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 A24 just has a chokehold on the horror genre right now. Uh, they it have is. had for several years now. Oh, uh, yeah. Their movie, anything they put out, I don't care if I see bad reviews about it prior, I will watch it because they are just absolutely knocking every horror movie and movies in general. They've done a lot They're, of good movies. Yeah, at all I mean.
1: levels now, man, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely fantastic hmm. studio. And anything they put out, I'm watching. So, um, yeah, I mean... We could probably do a whole draft on 824 movies. That's how good yeah. they are. Um, but yeah, definitely. Spoiler Brandon, for the
1: listeners, there, there's gonna be there's gonna be some drafts coming.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Brandon, I'll yeah. let you go ahead and take it away. Perfect. Uh, this movie, depending on how viewer may watch it, I think it comes out heartwarming, um, but it also may come off as a little bit more dramatic, which it is, and I think it has a little bit of everything. I don't know if it just I don't know if it's just I like New England a lot but it just happens to be it um <laughs> uh Good Will Hunting uh something about this movie uh you're seeing this guy who's kind of a little bit of that uh I think he's the pure definition of un- underrated no one may think of him as a smart guy you know uh Matt Damon's character as just a janitor who's you know very smart when it comes to uh just a lot of the math you know something you know Uh, being able to kind of unscramble Bill Skarsgård or Abe Skarsgård's, you know, uh, just use math solution there. Uh, Just kind of seeing him living this kind of a little bit of a, you know, poor life in Southie Boston, uh, just being able to kind of say, hey, you know what, this is my life. I'm living it. Um, We kind of see someone being able to, you know, maybe be forced, uh, you know, where to school teacher or even, uh, you know, Robin Williams therapist role saying, hey, you know, you have a bright future you need to take advantage of what you have in you, you know, what you have so much potential to do. And, you know, his life is more like, I just, I'm happy the way it kind of is right now. Uh, just, just kind of being, seeing that in a struggle of what you have potential to do, something that you're, pure happy, uh, with, uh, seeing him in love, you know, in a relationship with someone who is doing a lot more for their career, but he's not really pushing his, uh, so something about that kind of similar to Spider-Man too, in a way that there is a little bit of a struggle of a young man, just kind of figuring out what your passion in his life, uh, but this is the movie that the way it ends is something that we may all predict the way it does. And, but the way it just kind of comes to about that is beautiful. Uh, we're also seeing really young Ben Affleck, young Casey Affleck um, in their roles, just kind of starting off as also young writers um, as well. So if anything, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck being a motivation for just us young people in the movie, in the film industry, being able to say, Hey, this is something that we pulled off together, something that we pulled off and was able to push our careers. Uh, robin williams i think i have no words exactly for his performance here uh it's it's a beautiful it's a gorgeous um a little bit of haunting performance uh the way he's able to take you know one minute where he's talking you know jokes about his you know past wife to the next minute where it's like hey i'm gonna scream at you uh (laughs) i'm gonna be a parent to you after being a you know comedian with you so uh it's one of the most powerful performances and that's something that i love about that movie yeah, R.I.P. Robin. Honestly, yeah. Jay, do you have any comments on Goodwill Hunting
1: before
0: No, no. I was gonna say it is a very well written movie, and and I know Brandon has an affinity for New England, so.
2: I don't know what it is. And as a New Yorker, I don't know what it is. It's just maybe I just appreciate <laughs> uh, the Northeast a little bit more. So, <laughs> but Stephen, I did think that leads. Yeah. Did, so Robert Zemeckis, did Robert Zemeckis? Did direct that? Did he? I, uh, I gotta get back to you on that, but. <laughs> Uh, I, got I don't know why at. I'm
1: blanking on it.
2: I know it was Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck who wrote that uh, together. They, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I gotta get okay. back to you. on Yeah, but but go ahead with the, uh, your number. Uh, your number four.
1: Yeah, we definitely should know that. So listeners, we will get back to you on that. I promise. <laughs> I think it's Robert Zemeckis. I don't know, but it seems in some ways it's like a Robert Zemeckis movie for me. But mm-hmm. um, my number four movie is Django Unchained. Um, look, I feel obligated to have a Tarantino movie on my list because I think Quentin Tarantino is goes without saying is one of the best, right? Um, mm. And I think the issue for me is I love all his movies. <laughs> I, I There's a movie yeah. I don't like. Um, and while this might be his most controversial movie, and that's saying a lot, mm-hmm. um, it's really the movie where I felt like it's the complete movie-going experience and movie-watching experience. Um, first off, You know, it it, it checks a lot of boxes for me. Right. Um, And the first box is acting. I mean, he he gets he always gets a great cast. But you have Jamie Foxx. You have uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You have Christoph Waltz. Fantastic. Fantastic. Christoph Waltz. Samuel Mm -hmm. L. But you also have Kerry Washington. You also have James Remar, you know. I mean, Walter Goggins. I mean, this is an all-star cast, and just it's oozing with talent. And you see it on the screen. Nobody gives a, a half ass performance. They all come in there, and they, they they bring it to 10. They bring it to 10. So um, the cast is great. Um, I just was really invested in the story. And I know it's a play on the original Django film, but what Tarantino does with it, um, the fact that he made it a story about liberation, right? You know, freeing yourself from the shackles and the journey you go to not only save the person you love, but discovering your self growth in a way, you know, Django going from, you know, walking in the forest with the other, you know, his, the other slaves and becoming the the, the gunslinger, becoming the, the person where I'm sure, you know, we all find ourselves in life thinking we could never be who we aspire to be sometimes or we can never be like. The, that greater figure and the fact that you have a character like Django that goes on this journey and, you know, goes from shackles to a gunslinger, to a hero, you know, it's a story about a hero at the end of the day. It's a superhero movie in a lot of ways. Um, it's really led by, I think, just classic Tarantino moments. Um, you know, especially when you have um, him, him shooting, um, shooting up the, uh, the dentist, uh, what is it? The dentist? <laughs> carrying? <character? laughs> uh and just his pin drop nature of where he films stuff where he'll come out of nowhere and just explode something right he'll come out of nowhere and just show just brutal brutality and gore um you know when jamie fox shoots uh blows up quentin tarantino in his meta commentary about himself right uh the moments in that film it doesn't lack for action it's got great action it's got great acting it's got great cinematography it's a beautiful looking movie and I think Tarantino really cap, cap, encapsulates um, what it was like to live in that era back in the day, uh, what it's like to uh, live in the the wild wild west, so to speak. Um, but he doesn't. The one thing I can take away from this film is that he doesn't pull any strings. He really gives you an often brutal movie, um, an often uncomfortable movie. He does not want to. He did not want to. Take away of the unspeakable horrors of what was going on in that time despite the fact that it really is a superhero movie despite the fact mm-hmm. that it's really about a movie of you know, that it has a lot of quentin tarantino levity um but at the same time i think some of his best filmmaking is in this movie especially for example the flashback scenes of when django was living on old man karukin's farm and his wife unfortunately <laughs> uh you know, the beating with the whip and Mm -hmm. that scene was, I think, just filmmaker mastery, just filmmaker mastery, the acting in it, the, the, the way it's shot, the lighting of it, um, the, the music, it, it all just comes together in this movie. I mean, you have, uh, you know, a really strong score, but you also have like a Rick Ross song going on. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in this movie. Um, I think it's a complicated movie, I think it's a movie that's very ambitious and therefore in the wrong director's hands can go awry. It can become too much of an action movie, become too much of a love story romance movie, but because it's Quentin Tarantino, it's focused, it's well done. It's paced beautifully, despite the fact that it is, uh, you know, two hours and 30 minutes long. I never felt like I was dragging on through it. I felt like I was on the seat and I was waiting for the next scene to happen because I was so invested in the characters. I was so invested in the dialogue. Um, it's really a special Quentin Tarantino movie. I don't think it gets enough love as far as the fandom when it comes to Tarantino. Um, You know, you have people who put Pulp Fiction over it. You have people who put, you know, sometimes Jackie Brown. And I don't blame them because I love those movies too. Uh, But I really feel like this is a movie where um, Tarantino gives you the whole package of what he is as a filmmaker, um, how he can really dial it up, how he can give you those moments of of brevity, those moments of sadness, moments of... um, Sometimes despair, right, and, and, and uncomfortable moments, but it also speaks to hope. It also speaks to um, you know staying strong. It also speaks to um, you know being your best self, whether it's for yourself or someone else. And uh, great Jamie Fox performance as well. Um, yeah, I love the movie. I love the movie Django Unchained.
2: Yeah, you a brought up a good movie. point. Um, it definitely is one of the earlier superhero movies that we can think of without it trying to be a superhero movie. Uh, Yeah. So I think that was one of the ways Mm -hmm. that Quentin Tarantino uh, can put about it, uh, without it. So definitely, that was a great point there that you touched upon. Yeah. We'll
0: we'll go uh, we'll go rapid fire here uh, on our last our last movies. I'm gonna um, throw away or throw in Spirited Away. Um, To me, I love the aesthetic of Studio Ghibli. It's a visually stunning film. I mean, it's an animated film, but Studio Ghibli out in Japan does absolutely fantastic work. And it's very dark for a cartoon. I mean, the first five minutes hooks you. You're like, there's no way they took that direction. And it's a, it's an adventure of love. It's an adventure of family. And it's honestly just a, such a rewatchable classic. So for me, I'll go Spirited Away as my fifth movie. Brandon.
2: Yeah, beautiful. Um, just to touch back on Goodwill Hunting, it was Scant Van Sound. Um, definitely a name we don't hear much about these days. Yes. Uh, so definitely yes. blew my mind. What I had to director. look that up again. I was like, wait, wait a minute, who directed this? <laughs> so something that definitely blew my mind to think about that. Uh going to my number five, uh sticking a body, Quentin Tarantino you know, and Glorious Bastards. Uh kind of something that I love about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, kind of to kind of scare away, but I love seeing what is factual, what is history. And kind of seeing it be twisted away. That's something that only Quentin Tarantino could definitely do uh with this. Uh, but this is a movie that it's definitely, you know, touching upon World War II, the Nazi era, but just seeing, you know, a bunch of just a group of Jewish men taking <laughs> revenge and saying, All right, we're obviously our whole race is being abused, killed in concentration camps. We're gonna take that revenge, go back to Europe, you know, take London and you know, uh Paris and parts of other uh, parts of germany saying let's kill but something about christoph waltz uh performance just incredible um definitely quarantine, Argentina knows how to use into it its best potential
1: yeah yeah christoph waltz is too good too good um yep.
2: my last movie toy story 3 i had to
1: get a animated movie in here um yep. you know and obviously when it comes to animated movies you got to dip into the pixar bag and i think toy story 3 stands stands on top i mean what my relationship was with toy story one and two you know growing up as a child having these movies very close to my heart the way they came in with toy story three um just the you know just the moments of of sadness in it but also Mm -hmm. the fact that um it's really a story about you know moving on and and finding peace Mm -hmm. and 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 just enjoying those times you had with someone uh with andy right um but just the journey they take you know in the daycare Um, It's classic Toy Story, but I feel like it really gets dialed up to the next level. You actually feel like, you know, this is the end for some of these characters. Um, You know, you don't have a strong sense of what the outcome could be. And in the end, it's a it's a bittersweet ending. You know, Uh, you don't see that in a lot of uh, Pixar movies. You don't see that in a lot of uh, animated movies, um, which you would think would be, you know, directed towards children. But it's a movie for everyone. It's 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 I think it's Pixar at its top um you could say it might fall off after that um but man toy story 3 you know it doesn't get much better than that we all know the cast um we all know the fantastic animation um it's one of my favorite animated movies clearly because it's in my top five and yeah yeah, it's just a great movie
2: it's a movie about moving on and i think i love when a lot of movies can tell that uh just that simple theme yeah and at the time,
0: we didn't know Toy Story 4 was coming out. So we thought it was the end. And then, of course, you yeah. know, the money yeah. making machine. Now they're milking it. Uh, yeah. Now it's five. So. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: But I do agree. I thought that was a perfect ending for a lot of characters. Um, the last yeah. scene, I remember hearing the sniffles in the movie theater because everyone thought all the toys were going to die in the trash compactor yeah. there. And um, no, great. You know, great you know movie. it's a good
1: movie. You know, it's a good movie when it gets a standing ovation at the end, man. Yeah, you know, that's you know a good point. And that's what happened in my theater when I saw it.
0: Very valid point. So uh, great list. Uh, you know, again, the overarching goal of this podcast is we want mm. you guys to get to know us. Uh, that's why our first trailer pilot episode, uh, you know, maybe next time we'll, uh, we'll give our top five TV shows. We can dive into that. Um, so, yes. you know, this isn't just movies. This is pop culture, you know. Uh, TV shows are a big part of, of Hollywood. So we'll, we'll dive into plenty of those. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to get this started. Uh, what to expect in the future? We're going to do a lot of top five lists. We're going to do a lot of drafts, as Steve said. We're going to do a lot of just breaking down new movies, old movies, the classics. Um, you know, we, we have a lot in store for this podcast. You can also follow us on TikTok. It's uh, the name of the podcast at Balls Deep Cinema. Um, and, and we're going to start pushing out content on there, especially with Ahsoka. Out and we're gonna start pushing out some Ahsoka TikToks. I got a few ideas. Yeah, uh, working on yeah, the gears yeah, right now. So it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any closing remarks?
1: No, just excited. Excited. I'm um, looking forward to just you know shooting the shit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, well, likewise, you guys both put it well way. I think just a way for us to just talk about what we love, being able to share what other people may just have the same feelings about movies uh just looking forward to seeing all this uh roll away so
0: all right with that it's it's a wrap on on episode 1 episode 2 we're going to do this weekly so coming next week uh thank you have a great night